Welcome to the Data Stack Show. Each week, we explore the world of data by talking to the people shaping its future. You'll learn about new data technology and trends and how data teams and processes are run at top companies. The Data Stack Show is brought to you by Rudderstack, the CDP for developers. You can learn more at rudderstack.com. Welcome to the Data Stack Show live stream. This time, it's all about teams. So I hope it won't disappoint you, but we are not going to talk about technology or we're going to try to avoid it. And we are going to focus solely on the people behind the technology. Incredible panel today, really incredible. So Costas, I think one one of the things that I really want to ask this huge, you know, repository of Mindshare is about the best way to form a team, especially when data teams are sort of nascent, right? Because it's rare that a company, you know, just says, okay, we didn't have a data team and then poof, like now we have a data team. It happens over time and it's generally iterative, right? Like someone starts doing the job and then the role grows and then a team just kind of forms organically. And it can go a lot of different places. So I want to ask about their experience, seeing that happen, managing that process, and see what we can learn about how to do that really well. How about you? Yeah, I want to ask them about the individual roles in Mm. the team. Like trying to identify like how their position, what are the, which one is like the backbone of a data team. We share so many terms and we are still like creating new roles like Okay, we have like analytics engineering, yeah. engineering, and we have the traditional data engineering, like we, we had in the past, like the DB admin, whatever, but like so many different roles. And I'd love to hear like about like the dynamics and like what the structure of a data team and see how they understand this. And also like how you, like what's like the career path for each one of them, right? Like how do you become like a data engineer and how is this different like to... I'm like a data scientist or whatever. Totally agree. Well, let's dig in and learn everything we can from these brilliant people about building data teams. Let's do it. Welcome to the Data Stack Show live stream. This is one of our favorite things to do. And I have been looking forward to this one for a really long time, in part because we're going to take a break from talking about a bunch of data tooling and technology. and get at what I think is probably the most important subject, which is people, the people behind the data, the people working on data. And we're going to talk about that in the context of teams. And it's going to be great. So let's just do some intros and then we will dive right in. Paige, do you want to start off? Sure. My name is Paige Berry. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm currently enjoying a month of fun employment between jobs before I start my new role as a data analyst at DBT Labs, which I'm very excited about. Previously, I was a data analyst on the data team at Netlify. And before that, I worked at New Relic as essentially a full stack data person at a couple of different, in a couple of different departments there. So that's me. Wonderful. Sean, you want to pick it up next? Sure. Hi, I'm Sean Hallibert. I'm currently principal cloud data engineer for REI's consumer insights team. And prior to this, I was a staff data engineer with CNN's data Intel team. And before that, I built and managed the Clickstream data engineering team for Nordstrom, as well as the test and learn platform there. 
Awesome. And Sri. Yeah. Hi, folks. My name is Srivatsan Sridharan. I go by Sri. I'm also in between kind of jobs right now, but most recently I was at Robin building and leading out their data infrastructure organization. And prior to that, I spent close to a decade at Yelp where I was doing similar things, data platform, data engineering. Yeah, I've been in the, in the data space for about a decade as an engineer, then as a manager. So really excited to, you know, hang out with all of you today. Great. Well, let's just dive right in. And one thing that we love to do on the Data Stack show is go back and look at what we kind of call first principles around terms that we tend to take for granted. And one of those terms is data team, right? And, you know, like all of you have worked on data teams, built data teams, et cetera. But it's one of those terms where if you just ask someone on the street, like, hey, do you know what a data team is? They would say, yes. It's like, well, could you give me a definition? And you send back and think about it. And it's like, well, that can mean a lot of different things depending on the company, et cetera. So let's just start by having each one of you define what a data team is from your perspective, and then we'll dig a little deeper and we can just go in reverse order. So Sridi, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think the debate's still out there, right? I think different people perceive this differently and different companies have the structure differently. But I think from my perspective, fundamentally, it's a cross-functional department that is responsible for making sure that the business moves forward based on data. And so... I would assume that a data team's primary responsibility is to make sure that decisions are taken uh, in a scientific way, in a data-driven manner. And that requires a multitude of disciplines uh, from the people who are modeling the data, from the people who are writing algorithms, from the people who are visualizing the data, from the people who are running the infrastructure that makes this data crunching and slicing possible. And so I, I truly do think it's one of the disciplines that requires multiple stakeholders to be together towards a common mission. Love it. And so many questions, but we'll go. <laughs> so many questions and comments. Sean, you want to go next? Yeah. I just really like the cross-functional part you threw in there because a data team can be anywhere from just one to two people in an analyst role to analysts and data scientists, even you might have a technical program manager, often you don't, but that team really sits in the, the confluence of a number of other teams because you typically have a business stakeholder asking questions that need to be data-driven. And the data team is the principal researcher to get the answers for those questions based on based any data set that they can get their hands on. Frequently just getting a hold of that data is, is half the challenge. But as that cross-functional person, it's on you to make those connections, to be able to do the research and be able to come back with as definitive of an answer as you can. Love it. Paige? Yeah, I think a, a lot of what I would say has been covered already, which is awesome. I definitely think about the data team, a data team as related to what the mission of a, a team doing this work would be. So when I started at Netlify, we had a, a mission for our data team that was like helping the business to make decisions by providing timely, accurate, and actionable insights. And so when I think about people with various, right, various skills and various 
like talents around working with data, coming together with that focus in mind, that is a lot of what I picture a data team being. Let's get, let's, let's dig down and get one sort of one click deeper and more practical and would love each of your perspectives on, you know, data team is, I think a term that we use to describe the functions that each of you talked about, but I think a lot of times the actual team name is more specific. And then I would say even, and this is, you know, an interesting to to think about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. But the functions that you talked about often can actually be separated out into different parts of the organization, even though they technically sort of functionally roll up to like, you know, delivering data as, you know, the final product. So let's talk through that a little bit. And Paige, do you want to speak to that? Because you kind of have like, if I work on a data team, that could mean specifically like data engineering data analytics, you know, I mean, there, there are data infrastructure, like there are lots of things. What are your thoughts on that? Like, are you seeing more centralization happening? Yeah, it kind of depends. I've worked at a couple, couple of different SaaS companies and there were different models for each one. So one that I worked at, we had more of a, there's some sort of a central data team, you could say, that were really mostly focused on a lot of the data engineering and analytics engineering kind of roles of getting the data from various sources and putting it, creating it and putting it into a central data warehouse and making models that then rest of the company could use to get insights from. And then I worked on what was almost like a a subset data team that was the product analytics team. And we were focused mostly just data analysts. And we did some analytics engineering, of course, too, but mostly focused on, okay, there's the data warehouse. There's all of the data from the company. Let's see what we can use pull out of there to make insights that help the product or make decisions. And then at, at, at Netlify, we were, we were like a central data team where all of the data came into the data warehouse and we had a data engineer who helped bring those data sources together. And we did analytics engineering and data analysis also as part of the team and had, had like a hub, which were a few of us who'd kind of worked on like cross-functionally or cross organization functions. Yeah. And then we had some data analysts who were spokes who, who like particularly would work with the product org or particularly work with finance. Got it. That we, I think we talked about this actually when you were on the show previously, but I think that model is becoming more popular, but is, I think the exception as opposed to the rule and fragmentation seems to be more common. Sri, you're, you're giving a very affirmative not there do you want to you want to weigh in <laughs> yeah no I, I mean what what Paige said you know totally totally resonated with me because a lot of the companies do have it fragmented and I think there are pros and cons so at Yelp for instance the data science function rolled into product um, and then the rest of the functions like engineering oriented kind of rolled into engineering And the benefit of that was the data scientists were sitting in product and therefore they were able to influence product managers to use data-driven insights for decision-making. So, you know, when you're reporting to the kind of same boss, so to speak, things move faster, right? But then there are cons as well, which means that now we have all of these different teams with, you know, different leaders with different priorities and if you have to line them together. So there are definitely pros and cons to kind of either org structure. Yeah. Sean, would love your commentary on that. And I think 
maybe we can, you can take it a step further and give your opinion on, is there an environment where one of those works better, right? Are there certain, you know, company structures or business types where those two models, because it's not a right or wrong. Right, right. Yeah, we talked a little bit about patterns in our initial warm-up chat this morning, right? And two dominant patterns that I see in the industry are, I, I guess I will call chaos and confederation. And a lot depends on the age of your company. If you're a younger company, you know, first, second, third stage startup, it's a lot of chaos because everybody is shifting roles and tasks so quickly. And whoever ends up in that data seat, it might be an ad hoc decision and it might be a very short term one. Whereas in an older company, and I've worked mostly with older companies, and my experience has been that you have very separate and and siloed components between data engineering team and the database admin team. And then on the other side, you might have the actual analysts and data science teams. And there's, there's that wall, you know, some separation can be okay. And it certainly can work. I think the most important thing is trust and a spirit of empowerment and wanting to enable self-service. I think that's the most important thing. So that if either side says this isn't really working for us, then both can come together to identify a quick resolution that gets everyone back up to that back up the acceleration curve. You all have worked like in a quite diverse type of companies, right? We have like from CNN to like really extremely fast growing startups. Do you see like a difference in how like data teams emerge and also how they evolve depending on, let's say the pedigree or like where the company comes from? Like, is it? A company that exists for like 50 years and they have realized that, okay, we have to go and like implement a digital transformation program and like, let's go to Gartner and hear what like the prophets there have to say about what is right to do and what not, right? <laughs> and on the other hand, you have like companies like Netlify or like Robin Food that probably must like, I guess they, from day one, they start with some kind of like uh, data uh, driven strategy, right? So do you think that? Let's say this is like something that affects the way that like data teams are formed or like how they are evolved inside the company. And we can start with, oh, I feel very powerful that I can do that. (laughs) Paige, you go first. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So my experience has actually been in, in, with the SaaS companies, there are some similarities. They're not a whole lot different in terms of how long they've been around. Because New Relic has been around longer than Netlify by some amount of time. So so my understanding, I think, of how things have evolved might not be as broad as some other folks, because I'm really interested in hearing what a company that's been around for 50 years, how they put together data teams. So yeah, I do think that there's the, there is a difference between a company that starts out knowing, okay, we have a data team and we're, we're going to put one together early in our career and really, or, you know, our life cycle and really think about data from the beginning. Versus another company where I think there was a lot of ideas of like, well, we have data as part of what we, you know, what we do with our product. So 
and our software engineers are smart and they can query the data and they can kind of figure things out for themselves. For a while, that can actually, you know, that can work. But then there's a point, I think, where, okay, we actually need to really start codifying and really identifying, okay, what are the actual metrics and how do we really define them? And let's, let's sort of corral the chaos. <laughs> so that's what my experience has been, at, at, like seeing how do I like that. Three, you're next. Yeah, I think uh, some of the newer companies definitely have an advantage because the technology has advanced so much, right? Like today, if, if a startup were to bootstrap their data team, they have all the tools at their disposal to get going which can be harder for a company that's been around for, let's say, 50 years because they probably have already processes and data debt and reconciling all of them. They have to build a system that scales from day one, whereas in a startup, you don't have to build a system that scales from day one and you can organically scale it. So that makes it easier. But I think one of the challenges that smaller startups face, and I've definitely seen this both at Yelp and Robinhood when they were growing, is you don't have mature processes for governance for, for data and structure and modeling of data, which a larger company might have because they've been around the block for, you know, decades. So definitely, you know, each of these companies face different, different challenges based on where they are. But I can definitely, you know, see that in the last like seven to eight years, it's been much, much more easier to bootstrap a data team than, than before. Mm -hmm. That's great. Shin, I left you last for a reason is because you can tell us about how it feels like for a company that is at least, I don't know how old CNN is, but I'm pretty sure it's older than CNN. Yeah. Uh, CNN's about 50, 50 years old. Oh. Uh, still only, you know, still a toddler compared to Nordstrom, but yeah. And again, that's, that's a great point about governance and existing processes. And that's often a reason for the, the divide you might have between the data team and the teams that provide the tooling to that data team is just the, the simple idea of, well, we've always done it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, contrast that to a startup where, in a way, not having that history can be a luxury. You can't say, well, we've always done it that way because we haven't been doing anything for very long. Again, either can work as long as there's a willingness to break things in a controlled manner and in a smart, a smart manner, a willingness to experiment and try new things versus the, versus a bias toward consulting. I think Costas, you, you brought that up. That's definitely a thing at older companies where there are, you know, your management team might be older and have long-standing relationships with other business leaders in the community that come in and out of the consulting scene. And again, sometimes they feel like they need to bring in that outside third party to come in and shake things up and, and break the, the, that history of we've always done it this way. But why shouldn't a data team be able to ask the same question? Why shouldn't we be able to kind of pull the, pull the handbrake and say, well, wait a minute, can we stop for a second and, and evaluate these other opportunities and tools that might be out there, many of them for free? Mm -hmm. This is great. So we had the very interesting episodes on the Datafax show, which I think like aired like two weeks ago with Ben Stansel. You probably know him. And from Modal Analytics, and he said like something super, super interesting. 
at some point, he said that, let's say the data industry like started, we usually say that like a catalyst for this was the cloud data warehouse, but that's from the technology side of things, right? From the organizational side of things, which is also like important because if you don't have that, like technology doesn't do much anyway. There was like this moment in history where data became, and data analysts became, let's say, business partners. We wanted in the business to make as much as possible data-driven decisions. And what is very interesting is that like pioneers in that was gaming companies like Zynga, for example, right? I found this like super interesting because it really like clicked in me that, yeah, like technology is like, we focus a lot on the technology, but we keep forgetting like the human side of things that also has to be there, right? The reason I'm saying that is because, yeah, like we take for granted today that data is, let's say, important, like for making business decisions. And we probably consider data teams as like business partners, right? But I'd like to ask through like your experience so far, what was, let's say, the first uh, business need that forced inside the organization to form, let's say, a data team or like start having like people who they have to work full time on like working with the data and giving insights. And this is more about like the startup environment, obviously, like I think things are like a little bit different when we are talking for like established companies, but we'll talk like seen about that. But I'd love to hear like your experiences and like what you have seen there. So Sri, do you want to start first? Yeah, I can, I can go first. I think what I've seen in my past experience is the, the first set of questions really come from business metrics where the executive team saying, I want to know kind of how the business is performing. And when your data sets are small, that's a query that an engineer can fire or a product manager can fire on top of your production database. And I think from an infrastructure, I'm kind of sharing this from an infrastructure point of view, things start to get interesting when the scale increases and you can no longer query your production database, or you start to have, you know, tons of metrics with, with different product lines being launched. And I think that really becomes a catalyst for a dedicated function because you need to extract the data, store the data, organize the data. Until that time, you can probably make do with just querying your database and getting what you need. So I think it really starts from the executives wanting to know more about the health of the business and predict the future of the business. And then that ends up being the catalyst is, is kind of what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Paige? Yeah, my experience with this would probably be around when I started working more with product analytics at New Relic and there was a lot of, there was a, that emphasis around product-led growth and to really make progress in that, we had to understand a lot about customer journeys and who was, you know, essentially like who is clicking what, where, and at what point did they decide to pay us money? <laughs> so like, and that need for data was a sort of a different, it was different because that was right starting to drive decisions on like what are we going to build next what are we going to put our attention towards how how do we make this work this like get our engine online in that way so that was the my experience and my initial experience of saying hey we need this data and we need it to be able to look at it this way and then we're going to start actually making decisions based on what we're seeing here and it was yeah that was mine mm -hmm. Soon. What's your experience? 
I have walked onto existing data teams wherever I've gone, interestingly enough. I have not, not put in time in that startup scene, at least not yet. But I imagine a lot of companies start out just with the simplest data integration between backend database and some paid SaaS platform. And so that executives can try to run their own reports best they can without having to hire a data person yet. But then inevitably you start offering more products, you start developing more questions and you, you know, additional questions branch off of those questions, depending on what your business is. And those third-party platforms only scale so far because they're built for the masses, right? And my experience, both as a manager and as an engineer, is that you can submit as many feature requests to those products as you want all day long. But until enough other users and clients ask for the same thing, you're not going to get it. And if you do, you're going to pay through the nose for custom development hours. Mm -hmm. So there is an inflection point where those tools start failing to answer the questions. It takes too long to get answers or the reporting interface is too rigid and doesn't work with your proprietary data set. And so that can often be the driver into scaling up a data team from, like I said, those one or two initial heads, which probably fall under the business side and not the technology side, to a more cross-functional, more empowered team with, you know, better, better tooling underneath. But then again... If you don't have the right people seeking those answers and, and that know the data and know how to work with it, then, then the tools really don't matter. Mm -hmm. so, so I have a question because you, you said that you have like experience so far, like more already established like data teams out there. Is there like data teams also like, I mean, from my understanding, at least there are like a couple of different roles that you can identify as like members of a data team, right? Like from... Mm -hmm. BI analysts to database admins, that's today probably they are called something else, data engineers, like many, many different roles, right? If you had like to identify one role as the backbone of the data team, mm -hmm. which one would be? Wow, great question. I think it starts with a great analyst and a great manager. And everything layers on from there. As your analyses get more complex and you start relying on more data sets, you need to bring in technical reinforcements. So you might add on your first data engineer. As your outputs get more complex, then you start making the leap from analytics to data science. But typically it always starts with the analyst role, which is probably the, the right place to start. Because you have to answer those first fundamental questions based on the, the data sets that are get you the fastest answers. If you're lucky, you can add on a technical program manager to help keep all those roles, you know, in in, in sync as you scale up to say half a dozen analysts and then three to six data scientists or even more. And if you're really lucky, 
you will have a program manager, not only for your analytics work stream, but for your data platform itself. We were really lucky to have that at CNN. It was a major asset. And it's, it's all part of that three-legged stool between your engineering management, your program management, and your product management. Mm -hmm. That should be, that to me is the ideal of a, a fully scaled data team with in-house technical capabilities on both the data engineering and the, the analytics and science side. Mm -hmm. You're taking in requests from your stakeholders on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. Your product manager is meeting with them regularly and is able to speak to all the technical issues that respects your work stream. And your engineering manager, again, is building not only the platform to support all of it, but the people and the techno technical careers that underpin it all. Mm -hmm. One extra bonus question for you, Shane, because I, I, I keep like thinking about that while you were like talking. In these large organizations, okay, what's the role of like the traditional IT to the data engineers like the data teams out there? Yeah. So I think the answer to that is kind of twofold. It's a little bit further out to the edges. And by that, I mean, IT will likely still own the transactional databases mm -hmm. at the same time that they are moving further out into the new frontiers, the managing the enterprise message buses, your Kafka clusters, managing your more advanced database platforms. Mm -hmm. Redshift and Snowflake and similar cloud data warehouses you called earlier, yes, absolutely, those were great advances and they were super empowering in the same way that AWS itself has been super powering in giving less technical teams and I, I, I use that term, I mean, every team to me can be a technical team. That's just what you decide you want to be. But those, those cloud data warehouses have really empowered the analyst teams, the scientist teams to take so much more into their own hands, to spin up their own servers, to deploy their own code to those servers, to you know, run your batch transforms, to run your secondary ETL similar tasks like that. But yeah, I think traditional IT will always have a place in owning that first, that very first copy of the data. So your transactional databases and putting the governance in place so that as you make your own working copies of that transactional data, you do it in a consistent and controlled manner evangelism and education is a part of it, helping to coach other teams on, you know, the best way to create your own production clones so you can figure your own blue-green deployments in your own data flows, things like that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. All right, Bates, let's go back to the backbone question. So what's your take on that? Like, what have you seen out there? Yeah, I actually have a pretty similar answer, maybe partly because I've tended to be in the data analyst role <laughs> more recently, but there's a, there's a point of 
you can have so much data in your data warehouse and you can have beautiful models in there. But if the, if you don't have that last mile, if you don't have like the way to communicate to the stakeholders and the business folks, like what the data is saying, then it, you're not fully unlocking that value. And so I think that's one of the things that's, that to me, I really see as a necessary piece of, of the, this whole data process. Although I also have like an additional thing that I think is interesting. It's something that I've learned from Emily Sherio, who was my manager at Netlify originally. And she talks about how when you have a kind of like a new data team and maybe an earlier stage company and you're just trying to get like, how do we quickly get value from our data? Uh, she talks about starting with uh, operational analytics piece or the like getting data from from the source to the tools that the company's using to actually make their decisions. So getting data into, you know, Salesforce or getting data into whatever marketing tool you're using so that folks can like actually act on that data quickly. And that's something that could be done by data engineer, analytics engineer. So that's another piece of like why there's there's like it's a kind of a, a tie almost for me so it sort of depends on like yeah what level your company is at and what you really need first but for me it's whatever's going to get value to the businesses as quickly as possible so okay. yeah it makes a little sense Bree, what's your experience yeah it's a really spicy question right i have to take sides now no i'm just kidding i think the way i see it i feel like there are two types of companies, you know, broadly, broadly speaking, there are companies for whom, you know, data is their core product. And then there are companies for whom data adds business value. So if we take the first category, think of any company that has an ads business, right? Data is their main product because they need to figure out who clicked, who are we targeting to, who are we charging for the clicks and impressions. And so in, in those organizations, I think influence is wielded by the people who are making it happen. And so it could be the, the product leader, it could be the engineering leader, it could be the architect, because the business, you know, the technology is lagging behind and needs to catch up, right? So the technology ends up driving that. If you look at the other category of companies where data adds more value to the business, but is not central or critical to the business, I think the most important role is the person who's sponsoring that because Oftentimes I feel like data teams have to fight an uphill battle because the business might refuse to, you know, take their insights. You know, we're all human. We all have confirmation biases. We all want to think we are right. And so I've seen a lot of times where, you know, business leaders will say, oh, I don't care about the data. We're still going with this decision. And so for a data team to succeed, the person who can push back on the business and be the champion of truth-seeking ends up being kind of the most influential. And that could be an IC, that could be a manager. In, in smaller startups, that could be one of the early engineers, early analysts. In a larger company, that could be a director or VP level person. But I think that's kind of who I see as the, the influencers who end up making sure data succeeds at an organization. Yeah, that's super interesting. That's like, I think like a very good insight that applies not just data teams, but pretty much everything. We all have to be a little bit of like a salesperson in our life. Like whatever we do, we need to sell it internally. And I think that's something that like everyone who is having like a career in tech, like at some point has to learn. Even if you want to be, let's say, the most individual contributor that you can be in engineering, 
you still have somehow to sell your work and like convince the people around you that there's value there. And this is like obviously like much more important for something like data, because especially like in data, there's always, I mean, people think that data is like this binary thing. It's either like, it says you do this or do that, but that's not the case. Data is there like to help you with your own biases that you have and your own intuition. So there's always fuzziness in whatever is delivered there. Anyway, that's the topic of another. So I think, but I'd like to chat a little bit more about like how someone can build a career in a data team, how someone can get into a data team and what you have seen. Like, first of all, I, it would be great to hear how you got into that personally, each one of you. Did you start by saying like after college, oh, I want to be like a curiosity professional or whatever, or something else yeah. happened there. So share your personal stories first, and then we can discuss more about like what you see today happening in the industries. And three, let's start with you. Yes. For me, you know, I didn't even know what a data scientist or what a data engineering role meant when I graduated. And and back then, probably there weren't formal definitions of these roles anyway. So I came into the industry wanting to build software. And naturally, you know, I kind of gravitated towards where there were interesting technical problems. To and it was just by accident that my manager was like, hey, you know, we have to build this data warehousing ETL solution. Are you interested in this project? I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And so it was really by accident, not by something that I planned. I thought that technical problems were interesting. So I jumped into that and then, you know, one thing led to another and, and that's kind of how it started. Okay. So we have one person who started from being an engineer to getting into like data. Hey, it's your turn. Sure. My first jobs were customer service at coffee shops. So the way that ended up getting into data is very interesting. I ended up getting a job at the college that I was attending and at the in the IT department going and helping people with their problems with their computers because I had a good like customer service attitude. <laughs> so, and then I learned how to work on computers, shape, like parlayed that into a job where I worked at the foundation for the college and ended up administering their database and working with their donor data. And that's where I fell totally in love with data, databases, data work. So that's really where, where it all started. And then I moved into deeper into higher ed and data and then I made the leap to New Relic in, I think, 2018. So, yeah. Awesome. So, your turn. Yeah. A little bit of both of those for me. I came in from outside the tech industry, period. I was an English major in college and an editor right out of college. And 20 years ago, found myself unemployed or fun employed <laughs> to borrow the phrase. <laughs> I'm in a computer and so started messing around with just general web development. And so also, I think unlike a lot of engineers, I came in a little unconventionally in that I came in from the front end. I specialized in capturing data, optimizing ad verticals, five pages, landing pages, and form flows. And as I became more responsible for those, I became more responsible for the data flowing through them. You know, I got more and more questions about why am I seeing this in the data? And 
curiosity really took over from there. I mean, you you have to be curious enough to be proactive enough to be able to get out in front of those questions. And the more I did that, the more I became dissatisfied with the tools at hand to process that data and to be able to answer those questions. And I was lucky enough that at the same time, I was offered the chance to start hiring others to help me do that and to build out the, again, first the test and learn platform at Nordstrom and then the, the wider Clickstream engineering platform to, to be more robust and tailored to our business. And I became addicted to deprecating those big, expensive, third-party, off-the-shelf suites for cloud-based proprietary tools and solutions, frequently based on, on open-source software. And that alone takes so much curiosity to even be to even want to do that, let alone to know what questions to ask to, to lead you to that path. And all along the way, that curiosity is what I have looked for when I am hiring others to help me do just that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how a lot of people get into data. At the same time, you know, going back to the very beginning of our, of our conversation today, how do data teams start? Often it starts with one person that is curious and is dissatisfied with the tools that they have to answer those questions. And so they start kind of shaking the hive as, as uh, I, I like <laughs> to say, and looking for different ways to get at those answers and independently going to IT and saying, hey, can you at least spin me up this so I can try deploying what I'm trying to do? Can you give me slightly elevated privileges so I can create the, the relations that I'm trying to create and the flows that I'm trying to pull off? There's this new thing called Airflow I really want to try. Things like that, that can often be hard to get traction on either because, like I said, you're, you're in an older company with a certain way of doing things and that's not how we do it here. We already have tools for that. Or you're in a very young company and it's a matter of prioritization and time. And you might be, you know, you have 40 hours to dedicate to what work has been handed to you. Mm-hmm. You take an extra five hours a week on the side to coach yourself up and try those new things and then demo them to the people you work with and get traction that way. And show off what you really could do if you were given more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of data teams start. And it kind of spirals from there, from one person to two people, from one type of role to another type. You layer on complexity, like we said, that progression from analytics to data science as your models progress and mature along with the people developing it. That's, that's awesome. And I have to say that like, it was like super, super inspiring to hear your, your story. Although it made me feel a little bit, but because I think my journey is a little bit more boring. It's like just working with computers since I was like 15 years old. Oh, then actually, so I mean, just doing the same thing like for the past like 30 years. So, wait, dress are always greener, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Commodore 64 that I had when I was 10 and the two weeks I spent with it and then I put it down. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was kind of funny, like, just like a, make like a comment here. 
this past like two days, there were like two very interesting events that happened. So yes, I think yesterday we had like the event from NVIDIA where they announced like the new graphic cards of the Series 4. And I think like a day before or two, they knew the latest version of a game called Monkey Island was released, which for anyone who knows was like the game back in the 90s that was like, you know, much, much more primitive. And it's very interesting to see like the two very contradictive contradictive things like happening at the same time and it really make me feel like a little bit nostalgic. Anyway, Paige, your turn to tell us about what's what's like the journey that you see for like a person who wants to have a career like in, in data. Yes, for a person who wants to have a career in data, I definitely echo Sean about being curious. It's a huge part of it. And I think what's exciting these days is there are a lot of public data sets that are out there and there are there are a lot of like free tools that can be used to to like work with those data sets to kind of teach yourself SQL to kind of to look at stuff data around a subject that you're interested in asking questions seeing if you can see what the data says and then even you know take it a crack at creating some charts and then do the whole storytelling of like, I had this question, this is the public data set I looked at. This is some of the the charts that came out of that. This is what it's telling me. And having some of those examples are really, really incredibly useful for being able to con- communicate to others. Like, this is what I'm interested in. This is something I want to do more of. This is what I care about. Those examples are really priceless when it comes to getting into data as a, a career, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I would definitely plus one the curiosity. I mean, it's generally true for any profession, but I think with data, it's it's even more so because you are kind of a truth seeker there, right? I feel like, you know, the, the data space has become very specialized in the last several years, similar to how, you know, you had this change from being a single IT team to now having a full stack engineer, mobile engineer, backend engineer, web engineer, and so on. And I think the same thing has happened to data. Like 10 years ago, you were just a data person, but now you could be a data infra engineer, data engineer, data analyst, data scientist, MLE, BI engineer, and so on. So, but I think for someone who is just entering the profession, it can be quite daunting to figure out what exactly, which exact role that you want to take because there are just multitudes of them. But I think what could be helpful is to figure out which direction, you know, you want to approach this. So you could approach this from, I like building software and I want to learn more about data. Or you could approach this from, I like solving problems for the business. I like finding answers and I want to learn more about the thing. And so depending on which, where you start, you know, as you spend the years doing this profession, you will naturally figure out what excites you more and what excites you less. And I've also seen people changing the, their professions a lot. I've seen data scientists become engineers. I've seen engineers become data scientists. And so there's definitely a lot of mobility in, in the data space. Yeah. Love it. Well, we are actually closing in on our discussion time. We want to leave plenty of time for Q&A. But there's one more question that I want to hit because I think that I'd love for you to share some insights from your experience, especially with the listeners who are 
in some sort of managerial role on a data team. You know, that could be really early, that could be, you know, on an established team. But with love, and I know it's hard to just, it, it can be difficult to distill this up down, but what are some of the top things you would say to someone, and maybe even we can specify to, to sort of a new manager on a data team, what would you say to them as your top advice? And Paige, let's start with you. All right. Awesome. This is, this is kind of fun because the, there is a conference called Coalesce and my teammate Adam Stone and I did a talk that was recorded at last year's Coalesce in December 21 called to all the data managers I've loved before. And it is a, an entire talk that answers the question. But, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's so much fun to put together. And so I think that probably to distill that down, it's a lot of it is is really being aware of the people side of data, that that the challenges that this career can bring for those who are on the data team and for the stakeholders who are needing data and just really think about how can I think about the the people side of this and how people are feeling about this, these challenges, because it can we can really dive into the numbers and the facts a lot and kind of forget that there are people behind all of this and like even all of business, it's people in the very bottom. It's always people. So yeah, thinking about everyone involved as, as humans and what they really need can really help. So helpful. Sri, how about you? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'll try to offer a, an additive or a different perspective. I think it's really important if you're a manager of a data team to understand, you know, what is your purpose and what value are you driving to the organization? And it's not just, you know, you or your team knowing your purpose, but the entire organization knowing your purpose. Mm -hmm. um, because this is, this is something that I've seen as a folly of a lot of data teams. And I've certainly made those failures in the past is when you are not aligned with, let's say, the rest of the executive team or other leaders on what is your goal and what value you're bringing to the company. And the other corollary to that is the problems that you're solving today, how are they going to morph over the next year to two years? Because then that determines your staffing plan, your hiring strategy, the types of specialized skill sets that you want on your team. What do career growth opportunities for members on your team looks like? And so it kind of boils down to those two foundational things. Like, what is your purpose? Is everybody aligned on that purpose? And how do you see the purpose morphing over the next, you know, one to two to three years? Yeah, I love that. And real, I mean, that's, that's really good advice for any sort of leader is evangelizing your in general for any team. So love that advice. All right, Sean, wrap up this question and then we can move to Q&A. Yeah, I, I think Paige and Shree, you've already covered it beautifully. I don't know that there's a whole lot more to add. All I can think of is... To, to echo the importance on, on relationships and to make sure that you're able to get your people into the room as often as you can, I would actually suggest focusing less on the outputs and more on the inputs. That it's critical to help coach the organization on thinking about data from the beginning. It's still too often an afterthought. And it's you have to ask that question from the beginning so that you can form a measurement plan so that you can know what the questions are as the product is being developed as the product is going out the door is too late 
you're, you're going to lose so much value that way. And the product owner will just revert back to that gut intuition, which, which is great up until a point, you know, we're, we're not trying to replace anyone's jobs with the data and the, and the data tools that we're trying to provide. We're trying to, again, empower them. There's that word again. And, but before we can even do that, we have to make sure that we're a part of the conversation, that we're there at the beginning at product inception to ask, you know, or to say, love the idea. How are we going to measure it to know when we've achieved success? The same way you would ask of your own employees, what is your measurement plan for yourself? What is the measurement plan for our team? What are our OKRs so that we can know whether we've succeeded or missed our targets? Yeah. So helpful. All right. Well, let's jump over to Q&A with the last bit of our time. And this is a great, great question that's come up on scale, especially when you think about, you know, sort of like a hyper growth context is what I think about. But when a data team is scaling really fast, what are the main pitfalls? And, you know, I'll add, augment the question by saying, you know, Let's think about maybe kind of that new manager of a data team as well, who may be sort of experiencing this for the first time. Because, you know, in a completely controlled environment, you know, you can kind of like plan carefully every step of the way, right? But when you're moving really fast, things are, are harder. So, um, Sri, do you want to kick us off with that one? Yeah, I've certainly experienced that both, both at Yelp and, and Robinhood and, you know, made, made a lot of mistakes along the way. So I can kind of share those learnings here. I think when when teams expand very rapidly, you know, as as leaders or managers, we have a tendency to put order and put structure. But I think building structure when your team is changing every three months is incredibly mm -hmm. hard. And so one of the, it sounds counterintuitive, but when you're rapidly scaling, it's often beneficial to rely on people and delegate as much as you can and not worry about the structure and the process. Because whatever structure and process you come up with, two months later, it's going to be a waste because your team's doubled in size, right? So I think in those situations, it's really important to make sure you've gotten the right hires because hiring is absolutely critical. But assuming you've gotten the right hires for the right roles, you know, making sure that they are empowered to run with the process, run with the problem the way they want to run with it, even if there might be some chaos that might end up being much, much more beneficial than trying to create a lot of structure along the way. Love it. There's someone listening who's saying, yes, throw process out the window. <laughs> I know that's not what you're saying. That was really unfair, but no, that is really the, the ability to, to hand stuff off, I agree, is, is absolutely huge. And I think that goes back to what all of you said before, which is understanding the purpose and understanding what success looks like, which are you know key foundations to be able to do that. Sean? Yeah, again, to kind of borrow from what the others have so rightfully called out already two related things one is, is context switching so as your team scales up and tries to do more things fast make sure that you you put some kind of restrictor plate on how many of those things are in play at any mm -hmm. point and okay you've hired curious people that's awesome we curious people also tend to burn ourselves out and it's, it's super easy to do to ourselves, let alone to be driven to burnout. And I have seen terrible burnout. I've been there myself. And, you know, Sri, you mentioned recruiting. 
no manager really wants to be in the recruiting phase because it's super exhausting, distracting, and expensive. It is so much cheaper to keep the people you have, to keep good people in-house, and to pump the brakes once in a while when you need to. Be prepared to push back against leadership and set more realistic targets. But above all, you got to keep the good people you have. Mm. So helpful. All right, Paige, I'm going to put a little spin on this as I hand a question to you. Generally, when a team's growing really fast, that's in response to the organization, you know, organizational demand for data, right? And usually the mathematical relationship is that the demand outstrips supply, which can lead to burnout to Sean's point. Can you talk about mitigating that on a fast scaling team? You know, because you have the team dynamics, but then the pressure that's being put on them is really with good intention coming from all around the organization. Yeah, that is a, a definitely a really interesting challenge. And we've been there a couple of times where really trying to figure out how to not get caught in what we call the service trap. It's also something I've, I picked up from Emily and uh, putting into place things that can protect the data team from that, which can include really a lot of the ability to be kind of ruthless when it comes to prioritization. So that might mean that for a little while, the data team kind of has to be their own like, product or project manager. We've, I've done an exercise that was really helpful on a data team where we actually said, okay, we've got like a hundred requests. Everyone pick two that are like the top ones. You really think like these really need to get done. There's so much value here. We're going to put that on our roadmap. We're going to actually decide like whatever happens, we work on these. And then as new requests come in, we can say, okay, stakeholders, you and I have said, these are the top two for what we're working on for like what I'm doing this quarter. Mm. Is this really more important than that? And, and that helps also get the stakeholders involved in helping with that prioritization. So that's really, that's really key, that kind of, of communication and yeah, deciding what's, what's going to be priority. It helps a little bit with the slowing down of the, the constant like requests of ad hoc. So I've done processes like that before that that have helped with that feeling. Yeah. And then also making sure that the data team still can protect some time to do proactive insights. That also helps a lot right. with uh, keeping that f from being feeling like we're just a bunch of, you know, folks just like hitting the, the keyboard a ton and sending out reports, like the ability to really take time and explore the data and realize that we have some ideas of our own that are actually really helpful and valuable to deliver back to the business can like sort of, it can really kind of change that relationship that a data team can have with stakeholders. So those are- Yeah, I think the proactive side of that is such a, a durable way to build trust, right? Yeah. And sort of that partnership. Well, we are right at time. This has been so wonderful, everyone. Thank you so, so much for giving us some time. Yeah, we'll have you on the show again sometime soon. Thanks. Yay, thank, thank you. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, this was wonderful. See you soon. Man, Costas, there's so much to discuss. I learned so much. I think it's funny, one of the, you know, we said data teams, but really it's, it's very clear. I mean, one of my huge takeaways is that all of these people are very experienced and considerate and wise managers of of teams in general. And I think, you know, as expected, a lot of the 
wisdom that they shared with us, you could apply to, you know, almost any, any team structure. I think one of the things that, two things that were related that I really took away were, were Sri mentioned evangelizing the mission of the data team. Mm-hmm. And Paige brought up a concept of not getting caught in a service trap, which is what some, a concept that, you know, someone she worked with in LFI came up with. Those two ideas in combination, I think, are really important because data teams can often be positioned as order takers. I need this data, or I need this insight, or I need this report, or this looks broken, or whatever, right? And if you evangelize the, the, the mission and you create, you know, or, or sort of cast a vision that's bigger than just, you know, fulfilling requests, but actually pushing value back into the organization... You know, as we've seen from people we've talked to on the show in the past, that really creates a special dynamic among the team. And so to me, that was just really, really helpful advice in general, but also specifically for data teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. What I want to keep from this panel, to be honest, it's the background stories of the people. Mm. I think that's like the most like important thing for me and the most say what like what's like really inspired me and that's together with the with something that was mentioned that in data teams there's a lot of mobility like you can see people that they're data engineers then they decide to go and like turn like start like working as data scientists and go back and i think that's like part of the beauty of like working as part of the data team and if you're like a curious person and the person that really likes to learn and do new things. I think being in in data team is like probably an amazing place to be. So that's what I'm going to keep. And I think we should have like more of these discussions about like the people aspects and the human aspects of data. Totally. Technology. So I'm looking forward to have more of these in the future. I agree. All right. Well, subscribe if you haven't. Thank you for joining another live stream and we'll catch you on the next one. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Data Stack Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get notified about new episodes every week. We'd also love your feedback. You can email me, Eric Dodds, at eric at datastackshow.com. That's E-R-I-C at datastackshow.com. The show is brought to you by Rudderstack, the CDP for developers. Learn how to build a CDP on your data warehouse at rudderstack.com.